Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So chapter 12 begins with a new surah, Surah Hud, which has a very similar theme to the previous surah, Surah Yunus, because it's an invitation to others to leave idol worshipping and follow Islam. It is a warning for those who reject the message. However, this surah is a lot more serious about the warning. So the surah begins by declaring that the Quran is a book sent by Allah Himself, the all-knowing and most wise. And this message was sent down so that you realize that worship is for Allah alone. So if you ask for forgiveness and change your ways, Allah will forgive you and give you a great successful life. But if you decide to ignore the message, there will be consequences. It is Allah that provides for everyone, the humans, the animals, even the ants on the ground. Allah provides for all. Allah is the one who created this universe. This world is a test. It's not for fun where you can do whatever you want without any consequences. No, you will return to Allah after you die and you will be graded on your actions. People would ask, okay, well, if we are wrong and Allah says we will be punished, how come we haven't been punished yet? How come lightning hasn't struck us? Allah says these people are so ungrateful. I am delaying their punishment so I can give them time to change themselves. Allah said humans are so thankless that when I make something even a little bit bad, after their lives have been so great and amazing, they get so upset. They think it's the end of the world and they forget all the good that Allah has given them. And then when things are good in their lives after they've been struggling for so long, they forget about Allah. They think, okay, they're good now, they don't need Allah. When problems come your way, instead of whining about it and getting mad at Allah, you should first of all remember that this world is a test. It's not supposed to be easy. You will go through problems after problems until the day you die. So next time when a problem does come your way, when something is taken away from you, just be thankful that you have what you have. Be thankful because it could always be worse. When life starts getting better for you and money starts coming in and you're becoming successful, do not forget Allah. Do not get cocky. Most people only pray when they need something and as soon as life gets good, they think, eh, I don't need anything anymore. And that's really bad. See, the thing is, we all have ranks with Allah. The better Muslim we are, the higher our ranks are. Allah wants us all to be at a specific rank, specific level. I want Ion to be at level 85 of being a good Muslim. But if we aren't doing enough to reach that level that Allah wants, then Allah will send us a hardship so that we can learn and grow, become better Muslims and reach that higher level that Allah wants us to be at. This is why the Quran repeatedly says, hardships are a blessing. Hardships are an invitation from Allah to become closer to Him. Hardships and problems in life are a sign that Allah cares and loves about you. Allah tells the Prophet don't be sad or annoyed if the people don't accept the message. The thing was, the non-believers during that time, the Quraysh, their people were really successful. Things were going great for them. So when the Prophet came and told them, hey, what you're doing is wrong. God is not happy. Change yourself. Otherwise you'll be punished. When the Quraysh heard that, they were like, uh, things are great for us and we are happy. If God was actually upset at us, then we wouldn't be so successful right now. They thought that just because they were successful that it was a sign from Allah that Allah was happy with them. So you see why it was difficult for them to accept the message and accept that they were wrong? Allah gave a challenge to the non-believers that if you guys think this book was made by a man and not God, then fine. Come up with something similar. Ask your best writers to come up with something similar like the Quran. They obviously couldn't. Then Allah said, okay, fine. Ask your idol gods, come up with something. And yep, they couldn't. Allah says He will reward the non-believers for all their hard work in this world. He will give them the wealth and power they are working so hard for. But none of that will matter in hell. So now Prophet Noah's story is being told again. How his people refused to follow him because they thought, why should we follow this random normal dude? There's nothing special about him. He's not rich and even his followers are random poor people. Why would we ever follow him? These same remarks were actually made about the Prophet that you claim to be chosen by God, yet you're poor and you're uneducated. Why should we follow some random illiterate man? Prophet Noah would tell them, Hey listen, I get nothing out of this. I'm not getting any money, nothing. 
I'm just trying to help you guys. My reward will be with Allah. His people got tired of him and said, you know what? You've lectured us enough. You want to scare us with punishment from God? Okay, bring it. Where's the punishment? And of course, Prophet Noah said, I don't decide when the punishment comes. Allah does, but don't say I didn't warn you. So he actually tried for 950 years. Yeah, apparently Prophet Noah and the people at that time had very long lifespans. So Allah tells Noah that it's okay. Whoever was gonna believe you, they'll believe you. Don't be sad about the rest. But now I want you to build an ark. Fill it with your family and the believers. And also fill it with a pair of every type of species. And then when the time comes, get on the ark and be safe. And of course, as Prophet Noah built the ark, the people passing by would laugh at him that he's building a ship on land where there's no water. Prophet Noah responded back by saying that you're laughing now, but you won't be laughing in a few days. So the storm came. All the believers and the prophet were on the ark ready to go. The flood came and washed everyone else. From a distance, Prophet Noah saw his son. His son didn't follow him. Noah tried saving him, but he was wiped away. Prophet Noah did ask Allah, Allah, my son is a part of my family. Will you not save him? And Allah said, no, he's not part of your family. He refused to accept and was part of the non-believers. They were all given a fair chance to accept the truth. You warned them, but they didn't listen. Some people think, why didn't Allah just let Noah keep his son? The example is, what happens when a body part is struck with poison? Say a leg that's poisoned and now the skin is blackened and dead. Do you want the poison to spread and infect the rest of the body? No, a surgeon would never let a person keep an infected part of the body. It has to be cut off so that the rest of the body doesn't get infected. So in the story, the prophet's own son was wiped away because he was not a believer. This is a lesson for the non-believers, for the Jews and Christians who thought that just because they came from prophet Abraham that they'd be safe. No, doesn't matter. If the prophet's own son wasn't spared, then how could you be spared? Allah then addressed the prophet Wasallam's people that listen, Things will be difficult and you will be struggling a lot at first. But whoever continues to stay patient and on track, they will win in the end. That's a promise. If Prophet Noah could stay patient for 950 years, then we should definitely be able to stay patient. So now the story of Prophet Hud is being told. Same story. He went, he tried to teach his people, but his people refused. He tell them as well, hey, I get nothing from this. You guys aren't even trying to understand what I'm trying to say. Like just for fun, listen at least. It's as if they had their fingers in their ear and just didn't want to listen. And they were wiped away. Prophet Saleh, another example, sent to the people of Thamud. They didn't want to listen either. They just wanted to follow what their fathers had been doing. Prophet Saleh's people wanted to see a sign. They said, okay, see that mountain over there? Ask your God to make a female camel out of those mountains. And not just any female camel. It has to be 10 months pregnant, tall, and attractive. Prophet Salat said, okay, I'll do it, but do you promise that you'll accept afterwards? The people said, yeah, yeah, of course we will. Allah made the sign come, exactly the way they asked for it. Did the people accept? Well, some did, but the haters, <laughs> they kept hating. Prophet Salat told them, don't harm or kill the camel unless you want to be punished. Did the haters listen? Nope, they killed the camel. Prophet Salah then warned them, you have three days left to enjoy your lives. What happened after? An earthquake killed all the disbelievers. Finished, Pff, gone. So you see, the cycle continues. These people all came from Noah's believers, meaning they were believers originally. Over time, they lost their way, fell in love with this world. And so then Allah sends another prophet. The believers are saved and the disbelievers are erased. But same thing, those believers slowly start to lose their way until another prophet is sent to wash, rinse, and repeat. Prophet Ibrahim is brought up now, and he was visited by two strangers and without knowing who they were, invited them inside for lunch. He was a bit scared as to who they were, but the two strangers turned out to be angels in the form of humans. They were sent to give the Prophet good news and bad news. So the bad news the angels came with to the Prophet was regarding the people of Luth. 
So I didn't know this before, but apparently Ibrahim was Prophet Lut's uncle, and they were both prophets at the same time. So Prophet Ibrahim was worried for Lut's people. He asked Allah, please give them more time, give them another chance. Maybe they might have a little bit good left in them. The angel told him, you need to stop. Allah's already made his decision from his infinite wisdom. There is no hope for these people. So now we're in Prophet Lut's city, and we heard in the previous surah that his people were into really inappropriate stuff. Zina, adultery, and homosexuality were just a few. So the angels came to Prophet Lut in the form of handsome young men, but the Prophet didn't know that yet, and he's inviting these guests inside as well. Now there are men who are rushing over because they wanted to know who these handsome men were. They wanted to <laughs> engage in haram acts with them. Prophet Lut said, please don't embarrass me in front of my guests. Don't engage in such acts. Seek a wife. A woman is purer for you. And they responded by saying, Lut, you already know we want nothing to do with women, and you know what we want. So it was obvious that they were homosexual men. The angels then revealed themselves to Lut and told him, listen, you gotta pack up and leave with your family at night, except your wife since she's a supporter of the non-believers. Leave and don't look back. And so the city was turned upside down and it rained down stones. Again, we see that not even the prophet's wife was spared. Also, now we understand how homosexuality is not allowed in Islam. And the same goes for sodomy, which is rectal intercourse, even with women. Prophet Shu'ib was the next example given. We spoke about him in the previous surah as well. His people were making money by cheating others, scamming and conning people. Again, Shuhib warned them, the people didn't want to give up their way of making money, and so their city was wiped away as well. Prophet Musa was mentioning it too. Prophet Musa was sent to save the Israelites from Pharaoh, and despite showing Pharaoh the signs of Allah, he was too stubborn and arrogant to give in, and all the people who sided with Pharaoh were wiped away. Allah said he didn't do anything to these people that they didn't deserve themselves, meaning their own actions caused their own destructions. They were shown many signs, they were given lots of time, and warned over and over again, and then they were punished like Allah promised. None of their gods or idols were able to save them. So Allah tells the Prophet these stories are meant to give you strength and instructions on how to deal with the non-believers. And this is a warning for them to realize what punishment is waiting for them. So don't worry if these people don't follow, they'll eventually learn the hard way. So this is where Surah Hud ends and chapter 12 continues with Surah Yusuf. So during this time the surah was revealed, some of the people of Quraysh were trying to expose the Prophet ﷺ by asking him questions about the history of the Jews in regard to Egypt. They knew that if the Prophet was fake, then he would definitely not be able to properly answer the question on the spot. He'd have to go and find a Jewish historian and then ask him before answering. So they put the Prophet ﷺ on the spot and asked him to tell him the story of Prophet Joseph, which is basically Prophet Yusuf. So this surah was revealed so that the Prophet ﷺ could prove that all of his stories are examples from Allah. They aren't stories he heard from other people. So the story of Prophet Yusuf begins. So Prophet Yusuf's dad was also a prophet, Prophet Yaqub, Jacob. Now the story starts while Yusuf is still a boy, before he's an actual prophet. Yusuf tells his dad about a dream that he had. He saw in his dream 11 stars, the sun, and the moon, and he saw them all bowing down to him. His dad, Prophet Yaqub, tells him, my son, don't mention this dream to your brothers, otherwise they might try and harm you out of jealousy, so just be careful. The dad immediately knew that Allah had chosen Yusuf for something special. So he told Yusuf, Allah will eventually explain to you the true meaning of your dreams and he will help you understand your true purpose. So Yusuf's two brothers are basically talking to each other. They are jealous that their dad loves Yusuf more than them. So they thought, why not get rid of him? Maybe we can throw him in a well or something or get him kidnapped and after that we can be good people. So this is kind of like us, right? We think about doing something bad and we tell ourselves, oh, it's okay, I'll do the bad thing and then I'll just repent later. I'll make up for it with namaz and charity, right? This is the type of bad thinking that leads people to sin over and over again. So the two brothers go to the dad and tell him, Dad, how come you don't trust us with Yusuf? Let him come with us tomorrow so that he can play and enjoy. The dad said, eh, I'm scared of him getting hurt. You know, like what if he gets eaten by a wolf? 
And obviously the sons told him, Dad, don't worry, we'll take care of him. Nothing will happen. So the dad eventually agreed. So the two brothers took Yusuf. They took off his shirt and then threw him into the well. Little did they know that Angel Jibreel was waiting and caught Yusuf inside the well. And that is where it was revealed to Prophet Yusuf that, don't worry, there will come a time when you will remind them of what they did. They have no idea what punishment is coming for them. So the two brothers took Yusuf's shirt and on the way back, they killed an animal and used the blood to put on the shirt. And then they went back with the dad with fake tears and told him, a wolf ate him. Yup. The dad looks at them and tells them, this is a complete lie. Your evil souls made it so easy for you to commit such a terrible act, but I'm going to be patient and I know Allah will do justice. So a caravan came to get water from the well and they discovered Yusuf. So they took him and then sold him to a family in Egypt. Sold it to who? The chief minister of Egypt, a super rich man with power. The man who bought Yusuf told his wife, take good care of him. Maybe we can adopt him as a son. Look at this. How amazing is this? As horrible as it is to be thrown in a well and then sold off to random people, Allah made it so that Yusuf could end up in Egypt with this specific family so that he can grow and learn things he never would have been able to amongst his caravan people family. So obviously, Allah definitely had a grand plan for him. The way Allah designs his plans is absolutely insane. And when Yusuf reached the age of maturity, Allah blessed him with knowledge and judgment, basically the knowledge of prophethood. But things are never easy, right? Not even for a prophet. So what happened? He was with his stepmom alone in the house and she was trying to seduce him. Yeah, weird, I know. And Yusuf knew it was wrong. And as he was trying to run away from her, she ripped his shirt from behind. And right at that moment, the husband walks in. The lady looks at her husband and says, look what Yusuf was trying to do to me. He was misbehaving. He should be thrown in jail or punished. Obviously Yusuf tried defending himself. So another family member who came home with the husband said, okay, let's settle this with logic. If Yusuf's shirt is ripped from the front, that means the wife is telling the truth because you know, as she struggled face to face, she must've tore her shirt. But if the shirt is torn from the back, that means the wife is lying. Not only that, none of the wife's clothes were ripped. So if Yusuf was really at fault, at least some of her clothes should be ripped, right? So luckily the husband understood that the wife was lying and told her, apologize. So this whole situation got out and all the ladies in the city heard about the chief's wife tried seducing her houseboy. So what did the wife do next? She threw a huge banquet for all of her lady friends. She invited them and they were all sitting down on pillows in a room. They were all given knives so they can cut and enjoy fruit. So in the middle of all of this, the wife calls Yusuf to come here. And as soon as the ladies saw Yusuf, they were just so amazed by how handsome he is that they were cutting their own hands. They thought Yusuf was an angel or something. So we kind of see that, yeah, this is why both men and women should lower their gaze. Otherwise they will literally hurt themselves. So why did the wife do this? She was trying to make a point that look how handsome he is. Now you see why I was so tempted. She was super open about her desires. She had no shame. And so she said, if he doesn't do what I tell him, I'm going to throw him in prison. And in response to this, Yusuf tells Allah, oh Allah, please throw me in prison instead because I don't want to become weak and fall into this trap. He humbly asked Allah for help and admit how weak he was. Okay, now look at this. Can you imagine being in Yusuf's position? A young 20 year old boy living in the house of one of the most richest families. Everyone knows how good looking he is. And right now he's in a room full of gorgeous women. He could have easily given into his temptations. He could have easily just sinned and then asked Allah for forgiveness. But instead, he asked Allah to throw him in prison. A man's haram pleasure or prison? <laughs> he chose prison. So Yusuf's dua was answered. Allah saved him from doing something haram. Okay, so yeah, many of you guys might be thinking like, how is his dua answered? He's going to prison. That's so much worse. What did Allah do? He put him in a different problem. People think that just because they make dua that Allah will make our lives perfect. No, our lives will never be perfect. You have to understand that by now. This life is one test after another, one hardship after another. It's never going to be perfect. 
you will have hardships and problems until you die. That's how Allah designed it. This is why people are so disappointed all the time with their du'as, because they expect life to get perfect. You should consciously expect problems from now on. Look forward to the next problem. This way you won't be surprised. So Prophet Yusuf was thrown in jail and with him, two other men were also thrown in. They approached Yusuf because everyone knew that he was a very righteous man. They went to him and asked him to interpret their dreams. And so he said he would interpret it because Allah had actually taught him how to. This is when Prophet Yusuf actually began preaching about Islam to these people. So he told them, for you, your dream means that you will be set free and serve wine to the king. And your dream means that you will be crucified and birds will be eating out of your head. So when the time came for the prisoner who was supposed to be set free, of course he was so happy that his dream came true. So Yusuf told him, hey man, can you please mention to the king of Egypt that, you know, like I'm innocent? Well, Shaitan of course made the guy forget and he forgot to mention it to the king. So Yusuf ended up staying in prison for seven more years. Doesn't that happen to us? That we help people out and do so much for them and then they forget about us? They never end up helping us out and then we feel bad? Well, Prophet Yusuf didn't feel bad because he helped without expecting anything in return. This way, there was no disappointment. So seven years later, the king is having some weird dreams. He sees seven skinny cows eating seven fat cows and seven fresh cobs of corn and seven dried up cobs of corn. So he asks his workers, does anyone know how to interpret these dreams? No one did. But remember the guy who was also in prison with Yusuf? He finally remembered about Yusuf and how he knew someone who could interpret the dreams. So he went to the prison looking for him. The man found Yusuf, got the dreams interpreted, went back and told the king and the king was like, okay, you gotta bring this guy to me. So the man went back and told Yusuf. Yusuf could have easily been happy to finally get out of prison, but nope. He told the man, please go ask your king to look into my case. I know I'm innocent. I just want to make sure the people trust me, that they don't think I actually did those things. Prophet Yusuf knew if he was going to help people, that they had to trust him. And that would be hard to do if people actually believed that he was accused of playing with women. That was his brilliant character, mashallah. So the king looked into his case and he asked the chief's wife and she confessed that Yusuf was innocent. And then of course, Yusuf was finally set free. Yusuf spent many years in prison and many might think, what a waste. Absolutely not. Allah needed him to be in prison to learn certain things, develop a certain attitude. In fact, Allah needed Yusuf to go through all of that hardship just so he can prepare him for what was coming. Similarly, we think that our hardships are just a waste of time, that it's, it's stopping us from finding a job or getting married, that why am I poor for so long? Why am I depressed and not doing anything with my life for so many years? Allah needs you to go through certain things for a certain amount of time so you can learn certain things. He's preparing you for something amazing. You just have to trust Allah like the prophets did. Stay patient and stay close to Allah. That time will come where you will understand why you went through what you did and you will be glad that you went through what you did. Just trust Allah. So that's where chapter 12 ends and Surah Yusuf continues in chapter 13.